Ray. Hello. The crowd is applauding for us. This is Go Home Heat, a wrestling podcast. I am Kevin Perkins. I am called KP sometimes. That was Ray. We have been watching wrestling this weekend, a lot of it. We, we had to postpone full gear until we could get our crew together. They're not all here right now, but Jared, great wrestling fan, mind, watched AEW's both full gear and dynamite with us on Thanksgiving night. And then we turned right around and watched Survivor Series last night. We were impressed by both shows. Is that fair to say? Yes. Yes. I want to clarify the basic premise of our podcast. Welcome to Go Home Heat, a wrestling podcast. Here at Go Home Heat, our contributors focus on the stories and character arcs of the live action drama art form. An art form dating back to Zeus, featuring Lincoln and a bear and peeking with Robocop and Sting. In the words of Xavier Woods, the last form of theater in the round. And now, Go Home Heat. Is that storytelling is best when it is layered. Yes. That's why sometimes that's why that's why sometimes we do wind up doing movie pods with our friend Nick uh Nick, ATL, Lit Nick, he does write scripts and he sees movies sometimes periodically. We haven't done it in a long time, but we believe in storytelling. Ray does music reviews. He believes in storytelling. Stories and songs, when they are layered, obviously we feel that that is better. If the music matches up with the lyrics and all of that makes sense. And especially with your pro wrestling. The premise of this particular show is that we are getting layered storytelling in both AEW and in WWE right now, and it is fantastic. Do you agree with this? Of course. Excellent. For example, before we get into the specifics of why we think wrestling is in a good spot right now, Brit, Hater, the title is in Hater's hands. It As she calls it, the pillar and the killer it is a layered story in that Hater winds up being the one to dethrone Tony Storm at the pay-per-view. I thought it was a fine match. I was more impressed with the fact that Hater went over because I thought for sure we wouldn't do that because of the fact that Hater the J- the Jamie Hater um, Tony Storm match. Correct. That was a fantastic match. Correct. I thought the, um, the result was fantastic as it pushes. They also beat the snot out of each other. Yeah, yeah, it was a physical fight. And we've seen that across the board in, in women's wrestling lately in a lot of matches. Yeah. And I like the layers here because with Hater as your champion and Britt as a very, this show needs to be centric around me style performer who believes she is the pillar of the company, how long will it take for her to turn on Hater here? Mm-hmm. So you kind of know that as an audience, it's out there. So every time Hater gets into a match with anybody, the sidebar is always the undercurrent, which is how long is Brick going to let her have the spotlight? We saw the interview on Wednesday night when they tried to give Hater an interview, and Britt took the mic and decided to do the interview for her. Roman, Sammy, Jay Uso, again, layered storytelling. No matter who Roman is dealing with, the story of the bloodline winds up being... A huge undercurrent. Whether or not Jay can 
get on the same page. And we're going to get into the match itself, but it just allows for more in-depth stuff. And Roman has been recreating the first he recreated himself, then he recreated how he was viewed by getting the bloodline around him. Then he became this all-encompassing end of the end of the video game boss. And now he has this undercurrent of stories going on around him that allow him to be the centerpiece of not only the entire show, but and, uh, through his family and everything else. It's fantastic. The Mox MJF storyline, because of Mo- MJF leaving and going away and getting into it with Khan publicly and then coming back, and you had this huge spectacle of what was going on with CM Punk, it became this incredibly layered story as Punk gets uh, ousted, which it looks like he may be allowed to come back. It looks like they don't want to get away, do away with this contract, which is fascinating. You have the elite get suspended. You have Mox take the baton and run with it and let people know, look, man, what we should have done all along was stick with me. I'm the guy. And MJF comes back. He plays the good guy. We get a result. We'll get into that in a minute. But there's layers to what's going on as Mox represents one thing to us and a completely different thing to MJF. MJF represents something different to us as fans in character and out of character because as a fan, he was an original guy that was made man. He was supposed to be a pillar. And then you had all these people come in from outside the company, including Moxley. And the spotlight get away from him a little bit. And he got flustered with the money they were making and the spotlight they were taking. And he pitched the hissy fit on it. He, he took his ball. He went home. He came back. And he becomes this lightning rod of what we kind of think because of the spectacle that happened with the outsiders who came in and fought with the owners. Now, all of a sudden, you think, well, maybe MJF was right all along, even when he was in heel form. Again, you have layers to storytelling. It's not just about the title. It's about what the title represents. Uh-huh. And what Tony managed to do in this full gear is say, my titles represent the future. Now, he did leave the mid-card title on, on Jericho. Yes. He left the mid-card title on Joe. But other than that, I felt like he left us knowing the future is Jamie Hayter, the future is MJF, the future is these younger performers. Now, let's get into full gear. What did you think of Trio's match? Uh, The Trio's match? The Elite versus Death Triangle. Absolutely. I thought it was fun. I, I, I didn't I didn't think it was match of the night like many thought it was. Um, I thought the choreography was very good uh, by the Young Bucks. I thought I thought it was very I thought it was a really entertaining match, and I thought the way I, I thought the way they kind of played up um, the elite coming back after such a huge. Um, Thing, like the the punk thing was I thought that was very interesting I liked it I liked the fact that they did the they they played it up with the Kansas carry on my wayward son thing mm-hmm. as in we've begun this desk we we've begun this journey and that's not what's happened 
was a spectacular bump in the road. It wasn't going to derail our train at all. Then they go out there, though, and the most important thing to me about that match was the fact that the story being told changes because it's a best-of-seven series, and they come out at the pay-per-view with spectacular, perfect song, Mm. video screens, attitude, and they lose. And they're supposed to kind of sort of be the heels, maybe, but we don't know because I mean, they were the it heels was in, strange. They were heels in Chicago. Right. But I, I think the dynamic is going to change. It is about the storytelling. Yeah, across all, uh, the, all, all seven matches that we are. Right. Um, Here's promised. the thing. Here's the thing. Like you're saying, Phoenix didn't want to cheat. It was yes. set up. His brother and Pac had handed him the, the cheating weapon, the hammer or whatever. And then when he's about to get to one wing angle, he, angel, he has to utilize the cheating in order to win. He sells his soul for the W. He gets it. He's flustered with it. They win a second match of this best of seven series, and they win it due to cheating again. But this time it was cheating because we wanted to freaking cheat, which Phoenix wasn't cool with. Yes. And so now you're, still, you're telling a story underneath of the younger brother not wanting to sell his soul for all of these things with Pac and Penta being like, well, look, we want to win, you want to win. And that's one set of stories. The other is the return of the elite and then the matches that are played out in front of us. And they're doing that. That's what I love, right? Yes. Hater, the thing we saw, we've already kind of discussed it. I I don't know where we wind up going with the Blackpool Combat Club, but let's dive into Now, first of all, what else on the card really jumped out at you? That uh, the triple threat match, uh, the Joe Hobbs Wardlow match, which was actually Jared's uh, a, a, Jared's favorite match of the night. It was not my personal favorite match of the night, due to the Hoss fighting. Yes, there was a lot of boy in that ring. Right, and then you got Joe leaving as a double champ. Joe leaving as a double champ. Um, uh, the Britt Baker Soraya match uh, stood out obviously. Right. Um, Interesting tidbit. Mox produced some of those segments along with, let me see if I can find who said that. TJ, of, what T, segments? TJ, TGR Wrestling, um, a person what? named John Canton reported that Moxley produced some of Saray's speaking segments and some of the match stuff. And okay. that, and that um, Renee was also involved in that. And I think it's great. To get a Moxley style mind involved yes. in this program, she said he just basically said, "I want to help you because I want this to go as well as it can." I like the idea of Renee, who's been around a lot and is yeah. a good mind as well, helping with. She's done so many backstage segments over the years. She can help anybody in those scenarios. You don't have to have somebody independent of, of the interview do that. Absolutely. I, I like that. I think that they did tell a good story with Saray and her coming back. I, I I wonder where they go with it. Yes. It would make sense to have her get into it with Hater down the road. It doesn't make sense for me to be a champion immediately. I, I don't know that it makes sense for her to be a champion because it does feel like we've pushed this company into a the future is now type direction. You're talking, you're talking about Saraya? Saraya, yeah. No, I, I think... Eventually, Soraya is going to end up putting Hater over. I, I think eventually her uh, Hater is going to beat Soraya. 
Right. Right. And I, I think that's the story to tell with this. Correct. I think so too. I, I like that story. Now I didn't love the Cargill Nyla Rose match. I yeah. thought it was it was okay. It was whatever. But I thought I was going to really like it a lot more I than thought, I did. I liked the build up to it. Yeah, I thought that match was kind of taken apart by uh, things that aren't really either of their faults. Right. The I mean, Lee, the Lee, and the acclaimed. Again, they Lee and, good. Lee and Swerve lose due to the storytelling, which mm-hmm. the immense amount of storytelling you're having between two characters on one team may have hurt the match a little bit. Mm. However, I do love the acclaimed winning. I love them going into program. I can see Swerve, now that he's free of a tag team, being able to go after the mid-card titles. Of course. After he loses to Lee, who then can turn around and go after MJF, which, yes. again, I think MJF should have a title – Defense against the big boy fairly quickly. Even even in a loss, I think that Lee would be better off having gone through two months or a month with MJF and having MJF make him feel big while through belittling him and demeaning him and all that well, stuff. Well, I, I, I just I think I think there are people who are made for the main event spot, and Keith Lee is one of those people. Right. That Keith Lee, he he needs spotlight. He's, he's that good. He's that big. He's that strong. There's nothing he can't do. He can talk. He can wrestle. He's charismatic. He mm-hmm. he's everything. You know. Absolutely. He should be right there. Now, main event. We have Moxley. We have Mox and MJF. MJF. And I want to say right away that a few days before Full Gear even happened, my friend Jamil Davis texted me. The entire outcome, he said, this was so crazy to me because I laughed when he texted it to me. And I I didn't think it was impossible, but I didn't buy it as much. And he said, the statement about the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was making you think he didn't exist is not about MJF. It is about William Regal. Mm. And I was like, wow, that's a huge jump. He said, William Regal is going to give him the brass knucks. And I was like, wow, that's a huge. I said, it's great. It's great. If it, but I didn't think Tony would do it. I didn't think that was the route no. they were going to go at all. And that is what happens. And the storytelling in the match was fantastic in that you had MJF and Mox kind of sort of both wrestling heel and that the crowd wanted MJF to win, and Mox yes. knew it even though he's supposed to be the face. It was an uber MJF crowd, mm-hmm. and uh, Mox needed to. Mox knows how to work that. Right, and he he just leaned right into it and made Absolutely. it perfect. You liked the match? Uh, oh yes, I, I really liked the match. Right, my match of the night was probably Hater Tony Storm, but I'd say um, Mox MJF was my second. Right. The swerve at the end was fantastic. As yes. as you have Regal slide, MJF the Nucks, he wins. Of course. Mox doesn't even really know what's going on. Daniel Bryan, I think, and Yuta and Cesaro, maybe somebody came down there and explained later what, what had happened. Then you wind up having Monday. Well, then, oh, my God. The, if you have a chance to pick up the post-match, this post-pay-per-view scrum, MJF promo. I can't, I'm not going to go through it here because it's just so many f bombs and so much belittlement. Oh, it was fantastic, <laughs> but amazing. But Monday, Mox doesn't. Uh, MJF doesn't show up. 
I thought that was fascinating. I know he's working on a movie. I hope the Von Erich movie is great. I, I like the idea of him being a mainstream star, but it was odd to me that he didn't show up for work. That being said, I'm sure he had permission. Then you have William Regal in the ring telling you why he, that he's not going to be there, but I'll explain to you what I did, and Mox comes out, and, every, and everybody thinks Mox is going to beat Regal up. Daniel Bryan comes down, Bryan Danielson comes mm-hmm. down, and lets them know, lets stops Mox from doing what he wants to do, explains that if he were to try to hurt Regal, Regal is in a scenario with injuries to his to his brain and things like that. He could really be dan- in danger if you put your hands on him. Yeah. You could kill him. And that was weird. You know, Brian Danielson explained his relationship with Regal and how his struggles with his family's addictions were explained to him and he would have never been able to reconcile with his father if not for William Regal. Probably reminding Mox of the struggles he went through with alcoholism and how Regal's been there for him and all of that. He gives Regal somewhat of a pass and says, leave, don't come back, ever. And it sounded like he meant to this building, (laughs) to Uh any building ever in wrestling. I thought it was fantastic. It was intricate storytelling. It involved real life. Uh, What did you think of of all that? Oh, I thought it was incredible. I I thought, I think this Blackpool Combat Club thing has really picked up. Uh, Right. I think, think especially... Especially if this leads to, I mean, uh, this is going to lead to a Danielson Mox thing, right? Absolutely. Then Mox is going to Mox is going to go on vacation. Go on his long-awaited vacation. Right, because they had to postpone it. Now he also signed a five-year deal, so yeah. he's not going anywhere. No. It's reported that Regal only signed a one-year deal, so that is interesting to some degree. Regal could go somewhere. As Hunter, will we'll just go right into it. As we move on to WWE, but let me stop. I want to say that of all the great wrestling I saw this week, and I thought it was fantastic, I cannot believe it, but to me, the Jericho Ishii match was the best match of the week. Jesus Christ, that match was crazy. I mean, it, it there was a lot. It was two older performers telling the tale of toughness and just beating the shit out of each other and I thought it was fantastically done. Uh, yeah. I didn't like the end. I didn't like Ishii tapping, but I did understand it as he shot him as he shot him it's, the bird when he was in the walls of Jericho and Jericho made it uh bro that's increased that's, the angle on his back. It's the, the lion tamer it. dog. It yeah, right. Uh, there, there's 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 right. one right. He had him. There was no place for him to go. And when he when he thought he had the hold in all the way, Ishii thought, well, this is as bad as it's going to get, and he shoots him a bird. And Jericho pl- puts that knee further into his back and lay and leans into that hold even more, mm. and that's when Ishii has to tap. So there was even intricacies in the final hold. Like, it was really yeah. well done. It's just I hate seeing Ishii have to tap. But anyway, we'll move on to Survivor Series. And I thought that there was great storytelling in the matches. We're going to yeah. start with the main event. The main we, event, which is, which was the best match of the night, correct? I think so. I, I, I believe so. I think it was the best match of the night, and I don't think the women's match was far behind. I, I just think, I don't think... I, I don't think... Uh, I think this was the best match of the night. I don't... I think it's just the storyline-wise, I think this was... Because of Roman and Sammy and Jay, 
and Kevin Owens, you had more of a story to tell during the match. Of course. You know, that's the real key to why it was match of the night. Because, you know, I thought they set it up beautifully with their backstage segments during the match when Jay tells on Sammy for having talked to Kevin. And then I thought it was what Sammy said when when Roman said, I'll look him in the eyes and ask him. I'll know if he's telling the truth. And Sammy says, after he's asked, Sammy looks at Roman and he says, look, there's only five or six people that get to come in this room ever. Paul Heyman, Cousins, and me. That's not lost on me. How privileged I am to get to walk into a room that even the producers don't get to come into. Even the owner doesn't get to come in this room. Hunter, Hunter has to call and ask. I come in this room. That's not lost on me. That was perfectly done. And then we see that tale as much as he has to hate Jay at this point because Jay has been in his way at every turn. He, it's time for Sammy. It's time for Jimmy to go down and save Jay like he has done and like they have done for one another since they were in sand pits or in sandboxes at four, five, and six years old. And Roman stops him and sends Sammy out. Mm. And Sammy goes in there and saves him. He pulls him out of the way of, of, of harm. And he says, I got you. And even still, Jay kicks him in the mouth and knocks him out on accident, but doesn't stop to worry about it. He tells Jay, Jay tells Jimmy, don't worry about that dude. Let's go on to whooping people. And they do. And then when the thing is on the line, it comes down to Owens and it comes down to Roman. And Sammy goes low blow. Roman's there to be whooped. Roman is laying there before the low blow. Roman is laying there. The three count is about to happen. And Sammy grabs the arm. Kevin's former best friend. And he holds it still. And then, after that, he haluva kicks Kevin, lays him on the ground, and points to Jay, this is yours. He feeds him his best friend for the win. And finally, Jay approves and hugs the man. But even still, as Sammy is so happy, you see Roman kind of give him a little bit of a side eye. You see Jay kind of give him a little bit of a side eye. There's a limit to how long you can be in the family when you ain't family. Mm. You did hesitate before you went after your friend. You know, it's that old, you may not, it's the old romance thing where the guy's like, you may not still, it may not be the same level of love you once had, but you still feel something for him. Mm. And if he's in my way, I can't trust that. There is a rumor out there that this story climaxes at Mania with the Usos versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. And if they are the ones to end the Bloodline's reign, mm. perfect. Yeah. And if we got how much time between now and Mania to tell that tale? Come on. Because Owens is supposed to be the Royal Rumble pick for the fight. With, uh. so he'll lose the solo match at the Rumble, right? And then yeah. go it, it, again. We'll get to this later. And then he'll go into something where him and Sammy wind up. They'll probably 
turn on Sammy and Sammy will beg Kevin for forgiveness and this will turn into whatever. Okay, now moving on. The women's match, what'd you think? I thought it was good. I thought it was a good way to introduce um, the War Games concept and the War Games formula to uh, the mainstream audience. I did too. I liked it. I'm going to get back to it in just a second. I liked the AJ versus Finn match. match. I didn't think it was a match of the year candidate. I think no. they have a match of all time candidate inside of them. This just wasn't it. It was fine. No. I think that I think that it was good, but I also think that um, the whole Judgment Day OC thing kind of halted it a bit. And then by the time they were starting to get like going, going, the match ended. You stated during the match, this really picked up as soon as everybody left ringside. Yeah. And the story, some, sometimes when you tell a story, it limits the match. And the story we told so that Finn would kind of have an out as to why he lost without mm-hmm. his team there was that AJ did a good job of hurting the knee. So he had to sell the knee injury the whole match, which causes uh-huh. moments of laying there holding your leg and things like that, which kind of, you know, it, it yeah. just, it's not able to do certain things that we've seen, seen Finn do or AJ do before. There's a little bit of time elapses between significant moves and that thing because you're still on. And it's fine. It's a good match. It's just not that match, right? Which they both have in it. We know they both have it in them. We've seen them do that before. Absolutely. Now, I was a huge fan of. The Seth Rollins, Bobby Lashley. Yes, that was my second match of the night. That last three mat- minutes was crazy. And the perfect ending to, and if you remember, <laughs> if you remember, Seth Rollins was on Brock Lesnar's shoulders when Roman speared him. Hmm. At, pay- at the pay-per-view when he cashed in the money in the bank and then Seth gets the stomp in the pin. This time around, he's got theory. Theory's done. Then Bobby Spears. Bobby Spears, Seth. Theory lands on mm-hmm. top of. Theory lands on top of Seth. One, two, three. Bobby can't believe it. Seth can't believe it. Theory, whose career was as Hunter mocked everyone in the post-match scrum. Saying it's crazy, you know, his career was over two weeks ago, and here is the champ. It's a shame he's done. Uh-huh. I thought it was great what he'd said. I thought it was a great bit of storytelling. I think Theory goes up a notch, both in having a great match. He has a bit of a, a Genesis career-defining moment here going over in a match that was fantastic, and he uh-huh. was a big part of the big moments. Lashley is now free to chase whatever he wants uh-huh. to, get into whatever he wants to, if you want him to go further. Because he's been kind of a baby face. If you want to turn him back, you can. Seth is free to go after Roman. And I think that's where we need to go with this. That leads me to your women's match in that I think, I think when we watch that women's match, I thought the performances were fantastic. I thought Ripley was intimidating from the moment. She was doing chin-ups inside the cage to the moment she got into the actual cage and started laying waste to people. Becky was Becky. You had a wrestling match, and the finish was fantastic as you had these two former enemies, now friends, Bianca and Becky, pull this thing out together. 
through camaraderie, which makes it a great moment in time for Becky to leave the show as Becky ascends to the top of the cage and lands on top of both, uh, does the leg drop on top of both. Hogan-esque. You remember that time Hogan climbed to the top of the cage and said, this is for you, brother. Put his hand to his ear and then leg dropped onto the table where Bam Bam Bigelow and King Kong Bundy were on it. Remember was that? This, was this in TNA? Never happened. Didn't even no no oh, never seemed, happened. Hogan like would something. never climb to the top of a cage to seems jump like on something, something that could have happened in TNA. Yes, without Hogan, mm. <laughs> it would have could have happened with anybody else that was there. Or that little that little run they had where, where Jeff Hardy was just jumping off the highest point of the building every time <laughs> he, he was doing anything. But anyway. She is. She jumps up there. She jumps on top of the tag team champs. One, two, three. You had a ring full of women who love pro wrestling, gave everything they have to pro wrestling. They were telling a story. They were all into the future of this company, and they were charismatic. That is not what you got in the main in the in the women's championship match. I thought we were just gonna skip over. <laughs> no, no, that is not. I no. don't think you can skip over what I think I saw out of Ronda. Worst match of the week by. Correct, and it wasn't Shotzi's fault. No, I'm not gonna blame any of that on Shotzi. I I have my issues with Shotzi. I I am not gonna blame I. I I do not think this match was fair to Shotzi. Any issue I have with with Shotzi has to do with I think she's going to be way better in a year. She's good now. She's a little helter-skelter. Gravity effects are different. She'll get that figured out. I think she's going to be a great little wrestler. I don't know if she'll be a world champ, but I think she's always going to be a great little wrestler. Ronda, she's didn't want to be a baby face. She didn't want to be a baby face. So they let her turn heel. Mm. She has trouble figuring out how to be charismatic or whatever. Shayna Baszler has proven in a heel format with Nia Jax and with others that she can be entertaining. She proved she could be entertaining on the NXT roster as a world champ by yeah. herself beating people up. They give Ronda, her best friend on the roster, to Inject her with charisma. This is a woman who has sold out arenas all over the world in MMA. She is the genesis, well, her and Gina Carano are the genesis of money-making women's martial arts. Mm. That can't be ignored. And yet, in this arena, I know that they must be hearing something in the arena that I'm hearing but it looks like she doesn't care. And when I read on the internet what I read, besides a handful of people who stick up for her, the IWC thinks the same thing. Now, they're not always right, but it just feels like in some things she has said allude to the fact that she may not care about pro wrestling. And when you see Shotzi go for a move on the apron, I don't know what happened, but it looked like Ronda held on to the rope to make sure she didn't go down when Shotzi went down. So Shotzi hit her back on the apron, rolled over onto the ground, and then Rhonda slowly went to a knee and stepped off the apron. And mm. that's what it looked like. Am I wrong? Uh, no. 
honestly, I think uh, Ronda was. Um, I, I like. I we we don't wrestle. Okay. We don't. No. But I am not that. I am not that kind of. I'm not that athlete. I've always been told that you have to completely trust the person you're in there with in order for it to look right and be safe. And I don't know that she completely trusts people she wrestles all the time. Mm. Because it looked like she didn't trust Shotzi to do that move. That's Mm. the only explanation I can have. Either that or her arm just accidentally got caught. But if her arm accidentally got caught, accidents happen frequently. Because this isn't the first, third, twelfth time we've seen it like that. Now, that being said, the story looked like it could have been good because what you had was the arrogance of Rousey should cause Shotzi to have a chance and then of course Ronda being elite ends the chance but that's not Mm -hmm. what it felt like it felt like Ronda making fun of pro wrestling it felt like it felt like Ronda making fun of pro wrestling it felt like a burial Right, but and not just a people, Shotzi. People overuse the word burial. Absolutely, a lot. But when it, when when Ronda is just straight up forgetting to sell Shotzi's offense at all. I mean, Shotzi got nothing in this match. I I she did like a crossbody into the crowd. That was pretty yeah, that was cool. hot. That was hot. That was pretty cool. Um, but sh- uh, otherwise, sh- Ron- a lot of times Ronda just straight up. It just looked like she forgot to sell or something Shotzi She did. wrapped both Shotzi's legs up inside of her legs in a move that wasn't going to hurt Shotzi. It didn't make any sense as to why it would hold Shotzi still. Spanked Shotzi facing the wrong direction. Spanked her behind her and then said stuff to the crowd. like, well, Why did we think that would look? Like it would be one thing if you had her in a front face lock and you it were looked, yelling at the crowd. Or looked, if you had her in a leg lock and you were holding her tight. But that looked like, well, she could just pull out of that. Yeah, it looked what are we clunky doing? and awkward. I know and- it. I know it. Now let's move on though, because I do think that I do think that wrestling is in a great position. I think you agree with me. I think the way you deal with Rhonda is you bring this is what I would do. I would bring over Bailey and Becky. I would have the tag team titles defended on both shows, and I would have Rhonda lose to Either one, Bailey or Becky, dude. Whoever you want to lose to, probably ba- Becky because she's the baby face, and then have Ronda. I mean, I would do, <laughs> I would do it next week, dude. I would yeah. have Becky come out, wrestle her, beat her on Friday night, and I would say, you know, Ronda, take a month or two off. We'll bring you back for some kind of, uh, some form of a grudge match for Mania, I, I e. Brock Lesnar, just you know, think because, about what like, you want to do. Just something that I don't know. I find something that she would like, though. You know what I mean? Because I, 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 she I like, can be good when she wants to. Yeah, I assume the main. I assume the larger audience uh, will would be is is still uh, harking for a, a Becky Lynch Ronda match. Uh, even though online, I have seen some people be like, I, I don't really care anymore. Care anymore. I get that. I get that. I, I, though I do think that the the main the larger audience and saying you don't care about a Becky Lynch Ronda Rousey match is underselling how good Becky is at talking you into caring. Mm. Becky can change that in ten minutes. Yeah. Give her a mic, send her out there. Becky will go out there 
and say, you don't like this, you don't like us, you don't want anything to do with this, I have to run you off and I'll do it in a week. And she'll say it in a way where you'll be like, yeah, I can't wait to watch Becky run that girl off. And and one thing that was interesting about the Ronda, uh, one thing that the SmackDown, the kind of generally about the SmackDown women's roster that has made me realize is that I took Charlotte for granted. Um, I, I, <laughs> uh, but also, like, the crowd were chanting, we want Sasha. And the crowd were chanting for Charlotte. And they'd like, do we bring Charlotte back? I think Charlotte replaces them on Raw. That's what I would do. I would replace them on Raw with Charlotte. And my main event at WrestleMania would be Charlotte Bianca. Mm. Do, do, you, now, do you think Sasha is interested in coming back to WWE? I think Sasha is interested. I have read... Uh, I th- I read only headlines. I don't remember who um, wrote the article because I didn't get into the article. I just was on Smart to Death, and I read the headline, and it said that they're you know they're having issues with money. Mm. She want I would I'm assuming, but what when I see money is the impasse we have to cross, I always think that that'll get worked out. I'm, I'm assuming she wants punk money. She punk ain't there though. <laughs> well, here's the thing, though. People don't realize, and and dude, Sasha deserves you know whatever they're willing to pay her, and yeah. Sasha has every right to ask for every penny. You know, no matter what it is, you got to ask for it. They ain't gonna give it to you if you don't. Big draw, big. The issue is Sasha, as big a draw as she is in pro wrestling, she's not a bigger draw right this second than Becky. She's not a draw right this second than Bianca. We don't know that though. You don't think so? We. Dude, saw it. I, I, I don't. We don't you know, know what that, though. She's been gone. You're right. She's, she's been gone. She's been gone. She's been in the mainstream eye. Right. Mm-hmm. She's been making the like modeling and stuff. Yeah. Bit, like TVs, movies. Yeah. I, I think if Sasha came back, she would. She would probably be the biggest. Uh, the at least the biggest female women draw that they had. Uh, at least initially. At, at at least initially, because she was already one of the biggest draw, female draws they had. If you can, before. if you can get her back for Mania, as much as we've seen it before, I would still figure out a way to go, Sasha, Becky, Charlotte, Sasha, Becky, baby. Bianca would be my two championship matches. Sasha and Becky versus Charlotte and Bianca. Maybe go triple threat. Becky, Sasha, Bailey. What if? What if we get, what if we get that four horsewomen fatal four way? I, I think who wrestles Bianca if the horsewomen are doing something else? Rhea. Damn, that's good. That's really, <laughs> <laughs> that's really good, dude. I like it. I really like that, man. If you could get that, you know, that's your main event of night one. Is your four fatal four way? Man, then, yeah. You know, and then you just give them the second to last. You know, they go on, you know, Bianca and Rhea go on right before The Rock and Roman, if that rumor's true. Because think about, like, those type of dream matches that we never got. We never got the Shield triple threat to main event WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah. Right? right. We never got We never got some of these great, like, multi-person matches. If we got that four horsewomen fatal four-way Main yeah. event of WrestleMania. The Horsemen never wrestled Flair at Stargate. No. Right? The NWO never wrestled Hogan 
Like the finger poke of doom was what we got when we got an inner faction, faction. fight, right? <laughs> like, imagine if it had been Scott Hall, Hogan, and Nash for the Scott title. Hall, Scott Hall, Hogan, and Nash at Starcade. Yeah, imagine how how hot that would have been if they really wrestled each other. Even though you know, obviously Hall would have had to do the yeoman's work in the match, but still, it would have been the lead up would have been great. You could have had, just like this, you can have Becky and Sasha play up their friendship. You can have Charlotte and Becky play up the fact that they they ain't friends. Mm. Right? That's hot, dude. That is a hot, that's a great idea. Now, moving into the finish of this show, because we've already said that we love what Tony's doing over there in AEW. I read an article today on the Daily Smart, and it was written by, and I don't read my writing real well, it was a Wrestling Inc. article on the Daily Smart by Ella J. In the scrum, Hunter is now chief content creator. And what that entails crea- entails creative writing, talent relations, live events, talent development, and creative services. Hunter says during the scrum, injuries, personal issues, those things make pro wrestling storytelling mm. like dominoes. And every time one domino falls, it affects the entire board. All the other pieces are moved. So it's not like you can tell stories completely linear, but you have to have an idea, and I'm paraphrasing here, guys, but you have to have an idea where your stories are going, but you have to be nimble enough to move when somebody gets hurt or there's death in the family or something's pregnant, things like that. You know, anything that happens where you need to adjust for a little while. But he also said something that I thought was really important. And that the talent and the audiences need to have an idea of where it's going while knowing that the end of the, the, end of the story can change. Mm. And how often did we see, because the booking we used to get before Hunter, there was a lot of throwing things at the wall to see what sticks. Of course. And what we're watching now, whether it be the fact that we're seeing you know two to three more minutes per match per show than we were getting before. You know, you're not getting the two-minute matches, the four-minute matches anymore. You're getting seven to ten to twelve-minute matches during the during your shows during a week. You're allowed that allows these guys to tell stories in the ring along with the stories they're telling outside of the ring. And that that's true whether it's Ali getting beat up every week or whether it's you know Seth defending his title every week or Theory changing who he was. Look at what we did with Theory. As much as people hated him cashing in the money in the bank, what did it allow for? He got rid of the selfies. He's a completely different character because he's not stopping his matches and doing selfies. What? Think about, right, after we watched that Survivor Series, mm-hmm. we watched another Survivor Series. Right. I believe it was 2014. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one with Team Cena versus Team Authority. Right. Uh, one of my all-time favorite matches. Mm-hmm. Straight up. However, when you think about the other stuff that was on that card, there were one-minute, two-minute, straight-up comedy relief matches. Multiple right. comedy relief matches. Multiple. Yes. AJ Lee's record-setting Divas title reign was lost because, what, Brie Bella stole it and kissed her? Yeah. Yeah, right. Right. Oh, my God. No wonder think, she quit. Yeah, I think that was the day she quit. And I also right. think that was the day CM Punk uh, was like, yeah. One of the multiple days CM Punk was like, yeah, I hate these people. Right. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. We go into it, right? Yeah. Hunter says, I don't know that we're going to do War Games matches every Survivor Series. 
Yeah. We're going to do what fits the stories at the time. Hunter says, you know, I don't know if we're going to do a Money in the Bank pay-per-view. We'll pivot on that, right? Yeah. Maybe we'll do the pay-per-views. Maybe we'll do Money in the Bank at WrestleMania. Think about the advantage to that for your staff, right? All of, of the people who work for you that are pro wrestlers. You just put 16 to 20 more people on, the, on giving them a WrestleMania moment that they might not ever uh. get. And you just had an opportunity to jumpstart five to six storylines in your opening match of WrestleMania for what's going to happen next season after the stories end at WrestleMania. It's it it's common sense. He said, I don't know if we're going to do a Hell in a Cell pay-per-view because a story has to matter. Like we were talking about last night, when, when Hunter says to Batista, I know you beat me twice, but you've never been through me. I, I, it yeah, makes I, Batista. I, I noticed um, when Hunter was talking about it, uh, he said that uh, one of the defining moments for my career was when was when Cactus Jack was when me and Cactus Jack challenged each other to a Hell in a Cell match. And I think a lot about the fact that he specified how they challenged each other and not the right. fact that they had the match. Right, because you're not challenging each other to a Hell in a Cell match if we already have a designated pay-per-view. Mm. Because then we're trying, because that's not what fits the story. We had to do that because, oh, yeah, we promised the crowd, so we were going to do that. That's the thing, is what we're getting is a product where the audience and the stories are factored in. And mm -hmm. that is all we have ever wanted. There will be missteps. You will get mad from week to week. I, trust me, I don't like Seth Rollins not having that belt. That's my guy. Mm. But I do realize what just happened. And the other thing is, if you always give... Here was the thing. You sucked the life out of that building when you had Seth lose that match. They were singing. Nobody thought he was going to lose. Seth's on this run. They're going to keep doing this. He's going to go on this epic title run on Raw. He's the most important thing on Raw right now. Mm. They sucked the life out of the building. But what did they turn around and do? Yeah, They made Sammy the made man at the end of the show so the crowd went home happy. Mm. Right, you you. Yeah. If you take something away, you got to give something back. Yes, it, it's just straight up, but they're just normal store, just booking. It's just it's how you. Yeah. I don't. There's know. nothing wrong with making people happy. There's nothing wrong with putting doubt in people's minds. There's nothing wrong with telling a story the way that it naturally should be told. Correct, and that is what we are hoping we are get. That's what we're currently getting. With this new reign of Hunters, that's what Tony is pivoting to as, I think, the elite losing a tad bit of their hold on the company. I think Cody leaving opens up a little bit of freedom on how you can do things. I think Punk leaving for a little bit, opens up things on how you can do things. I think At Tony's... Least for a little bit. Yeah, but also, though, if Tony... If Punk comes back, he's going to know I'm not in charge anymore. Yes. 
See, when the elite got suspended, when they come back, what did they learn? I ain't in charge no more. There's one guy in charge, and that allows you, and that goes through the whole company now. Mm. People can't go, well, Britt's really in charge of the women's division. I mean, she gets to sit there and talk to Tony. Mm, Not really. There's one guy in charge right now, and it's Tony Khan. It ain't ain't to help. Mm. You know what I mean? And the other thing is, too, a guy like Moxley being a booker or a guy, not a booker, but a guy that's helping backstage, see, that's beautiful because Mox ain't the kind of guy that thinks he's got to have the belt. Mm. Mox ain't the kind of guy that thinks the show needs to revolve around him. He's been there. He's done that. Yeah. He's headlined pay-per-views. He's headlined main events. He's climbed on top of Hell in the Cells. He's, mm. he's been the biggest thing that ever happened in wrestling the moment he showed up at the very first AEW show. Mm. I mean, there's arguments otherwise, but you get where I'm coming from. He's yeah. seen it all. He's been the guy that hates carrying the hot dog truck. He's been the guy that didn't want to make fun of his friend's cancer. He's been the guy that was pegged to be the next Stone Cold Steve Austin. Mm. He's been the guy that was the face of the AEW company and of the independent circuit. Mm. He ain't got to have all that anymore. He just wants to be happy. And he's the perfect guy to have Tony's ear. Mm -hmm. And I love where all this stuff is going. Ray, did you have a good time? had a great time. All right, man. Thank you, folks, for listening. Check out our friends at Gin Project, the G-I-N-N project.com. Check out our friends at Daily Smart. Like I said, a lot of this information I got, I got from scrolling through their website. And check out us at Go Home Heat Bi-Weekly. Appreciate you now. Oh, check out Bang and Clang a podcast with our buddy Crossbones, too. That guy's fantastic. Phenomenal. Along with Blake. All right. Go home. <laughs>